Just let's have a word of prayer. We'll get into the message this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all the opportunities we have. Father, so often we miss opportunities. We don't see them as we should. And so, Father, I pray that you would guide our vision this morning. Guide our direction in the way that we look. And, Father, help us to see things as you see them. We are so grateful for you dying on the cross for our sins. And so, Father, I pray that you would continue to be used in a great and mighty way. And, Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you this question this morning. And if you would, please take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of John, chapter 4. John, chapter 4. And while you're turning, have you ever had the privilege of hitting a pinata. How many, raise your hands this morning, how many of you have had the privilege of hitting a pinata, right? If you haven't, you are missing out. Go to Superstore, go somewhere, buy one today, and just hit it. I'm telling you, it lets out so much frustration, it's a wonderful thing. Just do it, okay? Privilege of hitting a pinata. The, the whole point of pitting, hitting a pinata is one goal, one purpose, one thing in mind is to hit that thing so hard that it breaks open and all the goodies inside fall on the ground. That is the whole point of a pinata. It is to hit it so hard that all the candy comes out, all the good. Now, take that same pinata, hook it up to a string that you can move the pinata, and the level of difficulty just went up. I don't know if you've ever done that before, watched somebody trying to hit a pinata while it's moving. Very difficult. Same goal, same idea, the same thing that you want to accomplish is hit that pinata, break it open, so all the goodies come out. Now, if you want to take the level of difficulty even further, what do you do? Blindfold. You're all with me. This is good. This is a good start to a Sunday morning. You blindfold them. Again, the level of difficulty goes up. You still have the same goal. You still have the same purpose. You still have the same function to hit that pinata as hard as you can to break it open so all the goodies fall out. But now you are blindfolded, you can't see it, and it's moving, a moving target. Very, very difficult. Honestly, though, it's quite hilarious to watch. In, in getting ready for this, I looked up a bunch of videos on YouTube of people hitting pinatas, and I was dying laughing. It's hilarious. But in, in, on another term, it's very dangerous. <laughs> Many a person has been hit in the head by a blindfolded pinata slayer. It's happened, okay? Very dangerous. Taking away someone's vision makes ordinary, everyday, typical tasks very difficult. Now, if you've played baseball, swung a bat of any sort, hitting a pinata is not hard. They're very big, okay? And it's not that big of a deal. But when you blindfold somebody, it makes it that much more difficult. I think even about pin the tail on the donkey. Not, not a hard game until you blindfold them. Then people are getting stuck in the foot and stuck in the face. And like all kinds of things are happening because you blindfolded somebody they can't see. Blindfold. Today's story, I believe, is a story about vision. It's truly about vision, and we've been talking about our vision the last two weeks, about reaching out, reaching out to your neighbor beside you. And so today is another opportunity to see the same thing. Do you ever know that vision can be obstructed? Vision can easily be obstructed. 
And if we're not careful, we will allow our vision to be obstructed by everyday, ordinary things. I just want to give you a little bit of background of the story in John chapter 4. Jesus is in Judea. Now, Judea is in the southern part of Israel. He's leaving Judea, and he's heading to Galilee. Now, Galilee is in the northern part of Israel. Now, that's quite a walk. It's not just a hop, skip, and a jump. There's quite a long way to go. But here's the deal. Jesus says to his disciples, I need to go through Samaria. Now, Samaria was right smack dab in the middle of Israel. Now, here's a problem. Jesus is a Jew. His disciples are Jews, and they need to go right through the place called Samaria. We find out in this chapter of John chapter 4 that the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Hopefully you remember some of this from last week, but in case you weren't here. The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. You see, the Samaritans were half-blooded Jews. They were Jews that married into the Assyrians. Okay, now if you know anything about your Bible history, let me give you a little bit. The, the Assyrians are mortal enemies of the Jewish people. They are not allies. They are not friends. They are not even close to those things. They are mortal enemies. So Jews married their mortal enemies, the Assyrians. Now, that's not all. On top of that, the Samaritans had set up another temple in which to worship. Now again, Jewish history and Jewish custom shows us that Jerusalem was where the temple was, where you came to worship the one true living God. So obviously, the Samaritans, because they have no dealings with the Jews, they are not coming to Jerusalem, the epicenter of the Jewish worship. They're not coming. And so you can imagine this furthered the divide. This made them very, the Jews very angry with the Samaritans. How dare you set up another temple and worship another God? So the Jews viewed the Samaritans not only as traitors, but as religious heretics. You're not only traitors, you not only married our mortal enemies, you're not only inbred with them, you're serving another God. Nonetheless, in this story... Jesus looks beyond all of these things and says, I need to go through Samaria. I need to go through Samaritan. And he sees something that nobody else saw. He saw a Samaritan woman in need. He saw a Samaritan woman in need. He has a divine appointment with a Samaritan woman. And the place that they are going to meet is a well. By the way, there's all kinds of lessons we can learn from this passage of Scripture. All kinds of things. But here, Jesus makes it all the way from Judea to a city of Samaria, which many people believe is the capital city of Sychar. Sychar. And he gets there and he sits down at what's known as Jacob's Well. Jacob's Well. While he sits down, his disciples go into town to get some food. Hey guys, go get some food. And while they're gone, this woman of Samaria comes to draw water, the Bible says, about the sixth hour. We believe that to be about midday. Now, many commentators have commented that this is very, very rare. Most people would come to get water either early in the morning or late at night, not in the heat of the day. They would get it so that they had it all day, or they would get it at night so that they had it for the next day. So this was very, very rare. 
It is also commented on that this would have been a social affair. Going to the well. Everybody goes to the well in the morning or everybody goes to the well at night. It's just kind of a social time in which everybody kind of gets together, talks, asks how things are going. It's like the water cooler, right? Literally. You're standing at the water cooler having these chats. And so it was a social affair. So there would have been many ladies coming at one time to get water, talking, laughing together. But she comes alone in the middle of the day. Something is strange here. This thought process further indicates who this woman was. We find out a little later in the passage that this woman is not a very faithful woman. In fact, the Bible tells us that she had five husbands, and the person that she's with now is not her husband. So she's not a very faithful lady. The Bible does not directly say this, but I have a sneaking suspicion that it's likely she was not very favored among her peers. She was looked down upon. It appears that she was an outcast of society. You're not allowed to come to the well with us. You're not allowed to spend any time with us. She's looked down upon. She's maybe even scorned. So this is not your epitome of elite society with this lady. But again, I want you to notice that Jesus does not focus on her shortcomings. Jesus does not see her in her physical need. He focuses on her immense need. He sees her differently than most of us see her. Most of us would view her as even a menace to society. Oh, that lady. Most of us would be intimidated by her. I'm not talking to her. Most of us would see all of her physical problems. But here's the reality. The reality is she had one main problem. And Jesus saw it. The one thing that she needed was living water. She needed living water. And Jesus begins to tell her all about living water. Again, he's at the well. Perfect example. He used what he had around him and then illustrates how he is the living water. He says to her, listen, if you have drink of this living water, you will never thirst again. You can know this spiritual water, the water would fulfill all of her spiritual needs. She would never thirst again. And Jesus was literally introducing himself to her. And you can see that in verse 26. I want to read that for you. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Which refers to verse 25. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is coming, which is called Christ When he has come, he will tell us all things. So I want you to understand, Jesus is literally introducing this lady to himself. He was showing her that she needed a Savior. He was showing her that he was the Christ, the Savior of the world. Listen, I want you to understand something. Jesus' vision was incredible. All the way from Judea, he can see that this lady has an immense spiritual need and he has a divine appointment with her. He wants to teach his disciples this exact thing. Jesus didn't see her earthly need. Hear me. Jesus didn't see her earthly need. He saw her eternal need. Jesus didn't see her earthly need and she had many. He saw her eternal need. Jesus reached out 
to her eternal need. And this is exactly what Jesus wants to teach his disciples. So this morning, this is exactly what lesson I think we need to hear. The lesson of reaching out to not just earthly needs, but reaching out to people's eternal needs. Jesus wants to teach his disciples the importance of vision. The vision of seeing people in their eternal need. But sometimes we, like the disciples, allow certain things to blur our vision. We allow certain things to get in the way of our vision. So I want to give you three everyday areas of our lives that blur our eternal vision. To progress the story, the disciples come back with food. And I don't know about you, but when I'm waiting for food, you can't come fast enough. So finally, the disciples come back. I don't know what they had. I don't know if they had falafel or what, whatever they had. But they come back and they have food and they're here ready to give it to Jesus Christ. And obviously they walk up and see Jesus speaking to this woman. And I want you to see what they're thinking. They never say it out loud, but notice what they're thinking. John chapter 4, look with me in verse 27. The Bible says, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Watch this. Yet no man said, what seekest thou? Nobody said to the woman, hey, what's your problem? Why are you here? What are you looking for? They also are thinking this. Or why talkest thou with her? Hey, Jesus, what are you doing talking to this lady? Don't you know who she is? Don't you know that this is culturally unacceptable? So they are thinking, what in the world does this woman want? And what in the world is Jesus doing talking to this woman? Notice, you'll notice in this passage, that they never say anything about it, which was for, for the first time, Peter does not open his mouth. Mark it down, folks. For the first time in history, Peter doesn't open his mouth. But I want to give you number one, culture blurs our vision. Culture blurs our vision. Again, commentators have shown us that a man speaking to a woman alone at this time in history was not culturally acceptable. Not at all. Yet, here's Jesus sitting in the middle of the day speaking to, number one, a Samaritan woman who, number two, had five husbands. Now, all of us, again, just put yourself culturally in that instance. You see a man talking to a woman that you know has 500, and the sixth one that she's living with right now is not her husband. Don't be pious now. What would you think? What in the world is going on there? Right? That's exactly what's, we would think that in 20th century Christianity or 21st century Christianity, here is Jesus, culturally, unacceptably talking to a Samaritan woman who's had five husbands. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't care. Jesus saw her eternal need. And here's the reality. We try to fit into the culture. We try to do what's culturally acceptable. We try to be just like everyone else. I don't know if you've ever noticed this about Jesus, but Jesus doesn't ever really try to fit in. Jesus is kind of a trailblazer. He's trying to, he does things just a little bit different. In fact, look what his focus is. Look what his vision is. Look at verse 34. Jesus saith unto them, his disciples, 
My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You see, Jesus didn't really care what was culturally acceptable. Jesus didn't really care what everybody thought of him. He said, listen, my meat, the thing that I am supposed to do, the thing that I'm feeding on is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. I want to do and finish. I want to get this done and finish it completely. Here's the reality of the situation. I believe this. It happens far more often than we care to admit. We get so focused on fitting in and we get so focused on being everyone's best friend. We try everything we can do to be cool and we definitely don't want to do anything that would retract from being cool and accepted. We don't want to jeopardize our relationships and so we fit in. So we desperately try to fit in. And what happens when we try to fit in, and that's our focus, what happens is we forget. We forget that people, the people that we're trying to fit in with, they have an eternal need. They have an eternal need. We get so concerned with ourselves and how we look and what, what's, uh, what we're doing is culturally acceptable. We get so concerned with all of these different things and make sure that we're fitting in that we never care about someone else's eternal need. I'm so concerned about myself. Oh, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Did I this? Did I that? Am I culturally acceptable that we forget about people's true need of Jesus Christ? Culture and trying to fit into the culture will often blur our vision. Number two, biases blur our vision. Biases or biases blur our vision. Obviously, obviously, if you've not gotten this yet, there is an ethnic bias here. There's an absolutely ethnic bias here. These are Samaritans. They were half-blooded Assyrians. We don't like the Assyrians. In fact, you know who the Assyrians were? The whole story of Jonah going to Nineveh? Guess what? That's Assyria. That's Assyria. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. Why? Because they killed, they destroyed. We hate the Assyrians. They should never be able to come to Jesus Christ. And the Samaritans married in with them. So there's an ethnic divide. The Samaritans, they sold out. They joined the enemy. They don't even believe or worship in the same God as us, or so they thought. Listen. Ethnic biases blur our vision. All the time. All the time. Let me ask you these questions. Do you have any problems talking to an American about Jesus? I live in Canada. There's some biases about Americans. Trust me. I know. And it's okay. I'm just telling you that we have biases. Let me ask this question. Do you have any problems talking to a Russian about Jesus? How about this? Do you have any problems talking to a Chinese person about Jesus? Do you have any problems talking to a Kenyan about Jesus? Do you have any problems talking to an Iraqi about Jesus? The list, honestly, could go on 
and on and on and on. But the question remains, what biases or blur your vision? What are they? I guarantee you we all have some sort of bias. Some sort. Does it blur your vision? What about sinners? What about a prostitute? What about a drug addict? Here's one. What about rich people? What about poor people? What about the homeless? What about the tattooed? What about the pierced? What about the beautiful? What about the helpless? What about the bad-mannered child? Let me ask you again, the list could go on and on and on. It doesn't have to just be ethnic. The reality is pretty much anybody who's different than us, we're like a little bit standoffish with. So let me ask you, do you have a bias? And does that bias blur your vision? It can. We all have them. And these biases blur our vision Every one of the people mentioned here, every person that you come into contact with, every person that you see, hear me, needs Jesus Christ. Every one of them, every person from every ethnicity needs Christ. Every one of these individuals has an eternal need, so please let me encourage you, don't let your biases blur your vision. That's number two. Number three, personal comfort. Personal comfort blurs our vision. John chapter 4, look with me in verse 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. Notice their focus. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Verse 33, I love this. Therefore said his disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him out to eat? Who was here and gave him food? Why did we go all the way into town? What in the world's going on? What is these guys like? Who gave him something to eat? Do you, you notice their focus yet? They, they have not said one word about this Samaritan woman. Their focus is their own personal comfort and the comforts of Jesus. Again, you can, you can put them up on a pedestal and say, oh man, they were just really caring about Jesus. But again... They were missing the point. The disciples are so concerned with eating that it blurs their vision. Now, has anybody been so hungry that literally your vision was blurred? I don't know that I ever have, okay? I've heard of it, but I don't know that I've ever had. But here's the reality. It happens all the time. I have no doubt in my mind that Jesus was physically hungry. Why why would he send the disciples into town if he wasn't? I have no doubt in my mind that Jesus was physically thirsty. He just traveled through the desert, through Judea. It was dusty, and no doubt Jesus is physically thirsty. I have no doubt in my mind that Jesus physically was tired and sat down at the well for a reason. Because he was physically tired. He needed to rest. But here's the reality Regardless of what he needed to make him comfortable, Jesus wasn't concerned with his own personal comfort. He was concerned with the eternal needs of the people around him. Yeah, I'm hungry, but here comes this lady. Yeah, I'm thirsty, 
But here comes this lady, yeah, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I've been walking for miles upon miles upon miles through rough, rocky terrain. Man, I'm tired, but here comes this lady with an eternal need. What are some of the things of our personal comfort that blur our vision? Personal trials. So I look across this room and I know some of the personal trials that some of you are going through. And I'm not trying to diminish them, but what I'm trying to say is we get so concerned with our personal trials that it blurs our vision. We don't see people in their eternal need. We're so self-focused, we're so self-centered that we forget about what's in front of us. How about a personal disagreement? A personal disagreement maybe with a coworker or a neighbor and what happens is that blurs our vision of their eternal need because we have a physical problem with them. Our own personal hunger. Many a time I've walked into the house and had opportunities to talk to my personal neighbors but literally thinking, man, I'm hungry. My wife's got dinner ready. I got to get inside. All the time. My own personal exhaustion. And I, I get tired. Sometimes I just want to sit down on the couch. Put my feet up. And again, that's all I can think about. And, and instead of doing what I'm supposed to do and what God calls me to do, all I can think about is my own personal exhaustion. A lot of times we think about our own personal finances. Again, please understand, the list could go on and on and on, but personal comfort blurs our vision. Again, I want you to understand, none of these things are wicked. Jesus had all of these same issues. Jesus was tired. Jesus was thirsty. Jesus was hungry. Jesus had personal trials, folks. But when we focus on these things above people's eternal needs, our vision is blurred to the eternal needs. If you're in the habit of writing things down, this is a quote by Charles Stanley. I love it. Christians become complacent when they are preoccupied with meeting only their needs instead of reaching out to others. Let me say that again. Christians become complacent when they are preoccupied with meeting only their needs instead of reaching out to others. Let me ask you, are you complacent this morning? Are you complacent this morning? If you sit here this morning and you have to immediately admit to yourself and to God, I am complacent, then you might ask yourself the question, what's the solution? What's the solution? I want to finish here in verse 35. Jesus, again, speaking to his disciples, saying, listen, I, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Look what he says in verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. In that time, four months, and then it's harvest time. Then you can get the corn, then you can get the beans or whatever they were planting in that place at that time. You can, that's, that's when you reap. But look at what Jesus says. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already on the harvest. Again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Let me encourage you, Bible Baptist Church, this morning. Lift up your eyes and look 
on the fields. Lift up your eyes and look on the field. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, obviously, if you have to lift up, your head must be down. Your head must be down looking at what's directly in front of you. And if we're honest, we're all guilty. We're all guilty of looking directly in front of us at our current problems, at what we're currently going through, and we forget to lift up our eyes and look on the field. Looking at what's right in front of us. If we will look up and look out, guess what we'll see? We'll see the harvest. Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. They're already ready. Again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. If we will look past ourselves, we will see the opportunity. If we will look past ourselves, we will see the opportunity again. Time after time after time after time after time after time again, we miss out on opportunities. Over and over and over again. I happen to be nearsighted. So, perfect illustration here. I can read everything that's right here in front of me. I can see it. It's crystal clear. I'm nearsighted. When I look out, I can see people, but man, are they blurry. I can barely Barely, maybe not even read the clock on the back wall. It, if I don't, if I go like this for too, too long, I start to get a headache. But the reality is, looking down here, perfectly fine, everything's good. I'm nearsighted, but as I look out, everything is blurry. And so what do I do? No, I look back down because it, it starts to give me a headache out there. I look down. I keep everything close to me. Everything's right here. Everything's close. But here's the reality. If I want to drive, if I want to hunt, if I want to do the things that I enjoy doing, guess what? Every morning I have to physically put my glasses on. You might think this is a dumb illustration, but just let me, let me finish. Every morning you get up, Put the glasses of Jesus Christ on. See people how he sees them. It is, again, commentators often say that at this moment, when Jesus says, look up, there may be a group of Samaritans coming toward them. So literally, there is people coming to receive Christ. Look up. Guys, quit looking down at your food. Look up. Quit caring about what's going on. Don't worry about this woman. I know what you're thinking. Don't worry about the culture. Don't worry about your biases. Look up and see them as I see. Put the glasses of Jesus Christ on every morning. Guys, that doesn't happen haphazardly. That doesn't happen just lackadaisically. You have to be intentional. Look up and look out. Look up and look out. See them as he sees them. See their eternal need. And guess what? You never 
know what might happen. Many more than just this Samaritan woman believed on Jesus Christ that day. I'll finish here in verse 41. Maybe I said that already, but for sure I mean it this time. Verse 41. The Bible says, And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, Now we believe. Watch. Not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. This lady goes back. Hey, this guy told me everything I've ever done. He's got to be the Christ. And they believe her at her word, and they come and they hear the words of Jesus Christ. And guess what happens? Many. I don't, the Bible doesn't give us, it could have been the whole town. It could have been everybody. But the Bible says many believed. Listen, very simply, Jesus' challenge, I believe, is simple. Will you look up and reach out? Will you look up and reach out? Listen again, opportunity abounds in today's society. In St. Thomas, in Central Elgin, in London. Listen, listen, opportunity abounds if we will look up and reach out. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Father, I'm so thankful for this story. There's so much truth here. There's so many things that we can learn. Father, help us today, like the disciples, to learn the lesson. Because, Father, we know that as the disciples are being trained, eventually they are going to be the proclaimers of the gospel. They had to learn this lesson early. So, Father, as... We sit here today and as people watch online, Father, would you please help us to get our eyes off of ourselves and to look up and reach out. The only way, only way we can do that is because you are the living water. Because we don't have to worry about our physical needs, we know that they will all be added unto us, but seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Father, I pray that through your strength, through your power, we will be able to see people as you see them. Father, your will will be accomplished because of that. Father, if there's one here or one listening that does not know you as personal Savior, they've never accepted Jesus Christ, that today would be that day that they would realize they can't. They don't have it all together Their life isn't all that it's supposed to be. But Father, they are a sinner. But you saved them from that sin if they will just reach out. I pray that they would know that today. Father, as we continue to look inwardly, I pray that you would help us to grow closer to you. That we might look up and reach out. We pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I challenge you to write this down. Write some sort of decision down today. But maybe you would say, I have let my vision for people's eternal need get blurry. Maybe you need to write down, I need to stop looking at myself and I need to see people as God sees them. Maybe you just need to write down, I I need to look up 
and start reaching out. Again, I don't know what decision you need to make today, but I challenge you to make it before God, and we're going to give you some time to do that. We'll do that right now.